Hey guys, welcome to Floating City Podcast, where I have interviews with people that inspire me very much. I am here with Jennifer Eggert, and she is someone that I've met here in Julian, and like I said, inspired me very much through the works she does, and as well as her past with entrepreneurialism and business and all that, so I wanted to sit down with her and ask her a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Hi, Jen. Hi, Alex. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Sweet. I'm a, can you come up close? Is it yep. comfortable? Or you can bring the mic up towards you. Whatever's easier. Okay, sweet. Well, hello, hello. Hi. (laughs) So um, let's talk a little bit about, I I guess, our relationship first. Okay. So um, I got hired for Regulars Wanted Beanery Corporation here in Julian. Mm -hmm. And that was a project that you and Christian have, how long have you guys been working on it for? So we um, purchased the business in April and uh, we interviewed you for, actually with Granny's Kitchen before the transition with the prior owners and then you came on, worked with them for a couple of weeks and then May 1st you moved over with us and so we've had it now since May 1st of 2019. 2019, oh yeah. <laughs> Dang, it's been a bit. So we're like homies now, pretty yes, much. Of <laughs> and um, so, I, um, so you came to Julian because of the business? No, not really. Um, so uh, we bought a cabin in Julian in 2013 with my in-laws. And um, we just loved it up here. And Christian had grown up um, in Spring Valley in San Diego. So it was just a sort of a natural place for us that wasn't too far, but a getaway. Um, and then just some life things happened and, uh, ended up taking a year off and a road trip around the U S and Canada. We will definitely Um, get into that. And then when we came back, we decided we wanted to try the small town living and we loved Julian. We already had a cabin up here. So we just kept our home rented in San Diego and moved up here full time in February of 2019. Oh, okay. So we had the cabin from 13, but we were just coming up here periodically. And then as far as full time living locally up here uh, was just like two years ago, not even. What, so you then, so you were living here first, and then you thought about opening Regulars Wanted. Yes, it kind of all happened together. So we um, moved into our cabin, and then we, you know, at the same time, Granny's Kitchen was already up for sale, and we started looking into it. And that's you know, we've always Christian and I have always wanted to do something together, and so we felt like this was a perfect opportunity to check out, and the digging and checking out and all that turned into. Here we are now. Dang. Oh, let me get our regulars wanted mason jars out. Yes, and Alex, I see you're wearing our shirt. Thank and you. And we're representing not, here. Not me, of course, but <laughs> it's right here. Um, so I guess, so the main thing that really, ins- for me, inspires me about you guys is um, your kind of drive and resilience to, um, like, your vi- you have a vision, and then, like, whatever comes up, you guys just keep going. And I feel like a lot of it, and from what you told me, you've um, worked in a lot of sales, well, a couple of sales jobs mm-hmm. that really taught you that. So let's go back a bit in time. And um, you started sales in college, you said? I did, yeah. Okay. And um, 
Yeah, I, that was my first real sales job, so if I had to go back to it. So, um, Cutco. Cutco Knives. So, Vector is a company, mm -hmm. right? Vector and then, Marketing, yeah. Vector Marketing, and then it's Cutco. How does that... So, um, it's um, so Cutco is the product. It's the brand. It was um, established in 1949. Um, I remember that from my... like Basically, like they gave you a product um, presentation book. Uh, paid you per hour to just do a demo and you're a, like a 1099 contractor and then if you sell it great you get the commission for it if you don't you still get the hourly pay so it was multi-level in a way uh -huh. where you would recruit people but it you never um, it wasn't like you were the salesperson for your product and then you recruit people under you to get you know like to build your thing mm -hmm. it was more like you if, if you wanted to go in that direction, which I ended up doing, um, you would go and open your own office. You would recruit your own students. You would train them. Every, you'd have a class every single week, Friday through Sunday, train them. And then they would go out, they would do the demos. And then if they wanted to branch out and open their own business under our franchise, they could do that too. So, um, so anyway, it just taught me so much from selling the value of the product to, you know, here's like a, here I am 17, 18 years old. I had to come up with $120 to buy the sample kit with the folder, go through the training. All my friends thought I was crazy, yep. like crazy. Yep, They're like, yep. don't, it's a scam and all this stuff, right? Yep, yep. And it's the best thing I ever did. Most people stay, back to your point about the resilience and pushing through, which I think is an important, um, thing to consider for, for people that get kind of stuck is the average rep for Cutco is stays for 10 days. Dang. That's the average longevity. I stayed for five years. <laughs> so it, I was either crazy or just, you know, never gave up basically. Yeah. So what, why did you stay? Um, if everybody was telling you no. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think part of it is I wanted to see for myself, you know, and then I love, when I think about it, I love to learn. I love to have like these, the wow moments. I like to give it too, but also like through some personality profiles and getting to know myself over the years with coaches and mentors, um, they say like, I really enjoy the learning process. Like, a, and so I think I stuck it out for that. I also um, loved building a team. I was never a great salesperson personally. Like I would, I would be plus at the most, um, but I was a plus, I think, in helping other people develop their uh, skills, you know? So oh. so I, when I realized that, I turned it into more like, oh, instead of just going straight to sales and trying to make all this money on sales, I had more of a passion uh, around developing people. That is cool. And so I think that's why I stayed. Because I, I mean, so I was my first branch where I opened my own business, I had to hire my own secretary. I had to buy my own furniture. And it was just a three month period, had to negotiate my own lease, like literally myself, my receptionist, and then we would just, you know, hire college kids. And uh, first round was in Palm Springs. It was the summertime. I'd have to go out and flyer all the cars at the colleges. And I would do it in the morning, 6am, go to work, start the interview process, six interviews a day have a you know a pool of 200 kids to put into a training on thursday 
half of them would show up. So I'd end up with not quite 100, but you know, 50 to 100, somewhere like that in the summer. And we were not profitable. And it was really hard that first, you know, the business I would say failed and I learned a lot from it. So sticking a kid 18 years old with no experience to open their own business um, definitely taught me a lot. You were 16? No, no, I was 18. 18. Wait, was 18. Yeah, 18. 18. And so that was in Palm Springs. All, you know, rented a room from some guy um, and just worked 80, 100 hours a week for four months. And then at the end of the four months, we did not do well. <laughs> and, uh, and and the branch was just for a month, uh, the summer anyways. Closed the door. And then after I graduated college, I tried again because then I invested into really learning how to uh, develop people and train them. And so from there, when I opened my own like true district office year round, um, that's, that's when it started to do better. Dang, that is, <laughs> I didn't know that. I like that I'm learning all this. Yeah. Dang. And, and so yeah, that, that was one of the crazy, the, that last year of my college was probably the craziest because I, I needed 22 units to graduate. Normally, college uh, semesters are like 19, 16 units, something like that. So 22 is kind of pushing it already. So I'm doing 22 units, training to open a branch office, saving money to invest into opening the branch or my new branch. It was like, oh, and then I met Christian. So we were doing, then we were, became long distance because then I moved two hours away to Rancho Cucamonga to open my business. So it was just like... He and I would have conversations 12, midnight to 2 a.m. Like, that was the time. And Dang. we would just talk on the phone or whatever and continue our relationship that way. And then wow. eventually I moved back to San Diego because I couldn't take being away from him yeah, yeah. That, that long. Dang. And for context, um, Christian is her husband. And, well, at the time, boyfriend, now husband. And business partner. We love partner. dearly. And yes. now business partner. And now business partner. <laughs> Dang, that is, <laughs> and you were 18 to, when did you Oh, that one, uh, that I was 20, 21, because I was graduating college, and I, yeah, so that that was 21, so, so that ended up, so 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, maybe almost 22, because it was five years with Cutco, and then, so I did about a year and a half um, after college with my own district office in Rancho Cucamonga, and that was great, but it was. I mean, I was like, okay, I'm two hours away from my fiancé. I'm 22 years old working 100 hours a week. Is this really life? And that's when I first started to question, like, is, is life about this much work and is happiness about, you know, my work? Because it's, yes, I'm... I love work because I'm good at it. Yes. And people like to do things that they're good at. Yes. So I, and you're getting validation from people and all right, that. Right, right. And I, I got trapped in that cycle of um, validation, you know, so um, for my both for myself and hearing it from other people. So so that, that was like the first time I'd ever thought to myself, wow, is life really like question the whole, do I need to go down this path and work as much and like... Uh, 
um, chase money, like that kind of thing. Totally. Which we'll come back to also later. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was my Cutco stent. Taught me a lot. Taught me resilience. Like, the only way you can get um, business is to ask someone at the end of the appointment. So say, say you were the customer. Mm-hmm. I called you. I said, hey, I'm a college student. Um, I just have a demo to show you. I get credit either way. I get paid either way. Would you see me? then you are a complete stranger. You say, okay, you ad- you agree to it. And I come sit down, I do a whole thing for an hour. And whether you buy or not, I say, okay, I just need you to think, sit down, think about your friends, your neighbors, anyone who would just allow me to call them and ask them if I could see them. And I just need about 20. <laughs> and I'd look them straight in the eye and say, just like that. Just write it down for right? me. Yep. And I would just turn the page. And like, they teach you, and maybe I'm just so literal that like, I was like, okay, that's what we do. Then I just do it. And almost every time I would get at least 10 names. And so Whoa. I was one of few people who joined Cutco, not in my backyard, not in where I grew up. I was by myself in a new area. So I literally, like someone gave me one lead, actually four, four leads, one customer agreed to see me. And from there, it turned into over 200 people to go call, you know, prospects. So every Friday or Thursday night, hit the phones, just start dialing and saying, hey, can I come do this demo at your house? Like 18 year old girl coming to someone's house, mostly housewives. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But, but it was pretty crazy. Yeah, you got rejected a lot? <laughs> a lot. A lot. A lot. Dang. And for people that are in Vector now mm-hmm. or in Cutco, do you, I mean, do you even recommend it as like 100%. nowadays? 100%. A thousand times. So yes. it did get profitable? Um. Oh, no. It's a great, like, yes. And so students, like, I paid my way through college. Like, so, I, you know, I didn't grad, well, I had some debt at the end, but not, not a ton because when you do sell a six- hundred to a thousand dollar knife set to one customer and that's how much they are because it's a premium product they last forever if i break it 50 years from now i can return it to the company they'll send me a brand new one it's true um so product wise it was an easy sell like honestly it was not that was not the hard part um what was my point in telling you um um is it worth oh yes and so so the like financially you get half of the commission so I sell one set for a thousand dollars as a college student. That's I'm good for like three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or four or longer. So, um, so financially, yes, it's worth it for anyone to look into, but really it's about the skills, like not being afraid to pick up the phone. If you're feeling lazy, I don't want to call this next one. Just do it. Like just get it over with. It taught me to not procrastinate because all the things were challenging like it was none of it was easy yeah yeah um besides the product um and talking about the product but otherwise it was like everything was a chore and you have to go to the meetings every week so you get inspired and you learn and you know they you listen to them and um just basically do what they tell you to do and the program works so yeah i would wow yeah anyone who calls me i take the time i listen to their demo or i have them come over now you know like the the kids nowadays that are going into the program um if i get referred by a friend you're like yes i'll do it let's do it (laughs) dang that's really cool actually yeah i got i actually was um someone offered me a a thing there and a you know, to work with them. And then immediately someone's like, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. It's a horrible idea. If you don't sell it, you don't get paid. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even get into it. Same thing with my brother. 
But it's so funny when you hear there's like such a, a stigma around something, but then when you're actually in it and you do the work, it actually does work. Perspective, it <laughs> Perspective. is. Yeah. So that's the advice that you have for Vector people right now, or people that are in Cockpit. Yeah, like stick with it. And, and when you get that, you know, the 10th no, it's okay, don't take it personal. And actually I took that to everything else I did. Um, it was a big help. Cause then when I moved um, to my next career really was the career with auto trader um well there was a little stint in the middle i did nurse recruiting for a year and that was interesting but um but anyways so going into um auto trader and kelly blue book i worked for them really cox for 15 years and i remember one customer at a toyota dealership i walked in and he i think i might have told you the story before he started like as soon as i told him who i was from Auto Trader, I've never met you before. Hi, sir, nice to meet you. Um, F-bombs, started pointing, get out, don't ever come back, I hate you guys, like this whole, the company, right? And so I said, okay, so I left, and then about a month later, I was like, well, I don't have anyone else to go prospect, so I'll go back in. <laughs> so I went in, and he was like, you came back? After I yelled at you like that and cussed you out? And I was like, well, you weren't mad at me, like personally, right? And he's like, well, no. And I said, okay, then can we sit down? <laughs> so that you learned from being Cutco. Yes, because I, I wouldn't have had the cojones to like say that to anyone. I don't think. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think so. Because I, I also grew up in a very like. Uh, um, conservative culture, you know, like with, uh, from Thailand originally and, yes. um, you know, very like modest, don't say too much, um, kind of culture. And so it was definitely against my upbringing. Yes. Although my mom pushed the limits. She was American or yeah. So she was American. So she, she definitely got a lot of looks while we lived in Thailand <laughs> because of the, she just has very strong will. <laughs> yes. Okay. Wow. Oh, and you grew up in Thailand. Yeah, so I was born born in Thailand and came here for a few months, like nine months when I was five, just with my mother. And we couldn't, we didn't, she couldn't make it long term. So we went back. Visa wise? Or um, just she didn't like it there? Well, I think she just, or my dad begged her to come back or some. I don't know. I don't remember because I was six at the time, you know, what the real reason was to go back. Um, and then 11 is when, like, she'd saved up all this money, kind of hid it from my dad and had this plan to, her mother was, her, my grandmother, who I'd never really known, um, uh, suffered from alcoholism and she was dying. And so she used that as the sort of catalyst to move us back to the U.S., but um, she didn't tell that to my dad. She just moved us yeah, yeah. and saved all this money and kind of hid it and said, nope, we're not coming back after we got here. Dang. So, um, and you were six when you were here, when you came here? No, no, 11. So oh, that, that, that was so six, five to six for just nine months and then back and then back here when I was 11. Oh. Um, and so that... So 11, we moved straight to Los Angeles area. Actually, I ended up living with her aunt for a year while she tried to just, she had, you know, she had no uh, high school education from the U.S. Um, and so she was just trying to find a job so that she can get an apartment so that we can have a place to live. So I stayed with her aunt while she kind of moved around and stayed with friends for a year. 
And then she finally, we settled in a place called Gardena, which was not a good neighborhood in Los Angeles. That's where I first saw gangs and people getting jumped and... Whoa, um, did you ever get jumped or anything like that? Fights? No, but um, people want, like, they, like, it's like joining a club. Like, they wanted me to get into their gang. They yeah. talked about, this is how you, I was like, I have to fight someone? No. <laughs> <laughs> no thank you. Um, so, Man. yeah, so peer pressure like that. And I, I think I considered it just, like, to have more friends or something. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but no, I never went that direction and do you think you moving around a lot like that when you were younger now it makes it so you could you know you've traveled the country you've moved around Mm -hmm. a bunch is that you think that played a part in how you are now yeah and um actually i was talking to uh, christian's mom the other day and she gave me some really good insight which i hadn't realized so still today i'm learning every day things about myself about other people but um uh so my my whole life, I hang on to my friendships. Like, I'll hang on to them, whether they're good for me or not, and just can keep collecting, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I see other people, they stop toxic relationships, or they just decide one day, Alex, you're no longer my friend, I cut you off. And they don't say it like that, but that's just how it happens. And I, I always wonder, like, how do, you, how do people do that? How do you just walk away from a friendship of 10 years or 20 years or whatever, right? So, so I was talking to Christian's mom, my mother-in-law, about that. She's like, well, the thing is, I think with you having to move around, you didn't have family, and so you just gravitated to your friendships and held on to them, like, for dear life, because this was your family now. Yes, and your so connection. You, so for you to, you can't let go. Like, you can't let it go. And so oh. it's okay to, and, and her point was too, like, you know, and Peyton's going to be different, which is my son, six years old, or yeah, six, almost seven. Um, and so like, you're, he's going to be different and he may want to dismiss friendships. He may want to hang on to him, but you don't have to like force. And she wasn't telling me what to do at all. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. it was just like really good smacked me in the eye you know middle of the like it's just like wow hmm, i didn't realize yeah, that. yeah. yeah so i think um the moving had a lot to do with that moving around and that's why i kind of hang on to my relationships uh and try so hard hmm. but then that also comes with like you put in a lot of work in your relationships mm-hmm. too yeah so that's a benefit of it Wow, very cool. And then, um, so really quick, the nursing recruiting. Mm. What did you do for that? Is that um, so that was, let's see. how. Okay, so with Cutco, um, it was winding down. I made a decision to move back to San Diego to be closer to Christian and close the business. Um, and so, oh, I was just kind of looking for any job. So I went to a recruiting company. They found this job. They were high, so it was called American Mobile Health Care. They... Their job is to place RNs, or or otherwise, um, into hospitals all around the country, generally for a three-month stint at a time. So if you were a nurse, I would call you. I'd have a like it was just a, a, a call center basically. So I would call you and just say, hey, I, I see you're you applied for this travel nurse job, um, and if you're interested, then I would place you with a hospital in say Chicago. And you would move there, and we'd pay. The company would pay your stipend, your living stipend. The hospital would pay your wages. The pay was great. Um, so again, it was a pretty easy sell for the most part. But because the company exploded so fast, they promoted, in my opinion, they promoted 
um, salespeople who were not ready for leadership. And, you know, for instance, like I'm, I'm, I just spent a year, I worked that holiday season. I was giving them an eight month heads up that I'm getting married the following holiday season if I could get a few days off. Um, and they said, well, not sure, because the senior recruiters would not like that. So can you move your wedding date? And so <laughs> I'm just like, no, I'll just resign. Um, and <laughs> that's what I did. So, um, you know, so I'm, I'm a type of person that I, I do complain, you know, it's hot, well, it's hot, but like it's human nature complain. But also I'm all about like, what's the point? You know, I'll complain, I'll say it one time. And then it's basically, if I don't change it, that's on me, no more complaining. And so otherwise just change it, which I did. I said, I'm not gonna complain. Great, that's their decision. Here's my two weeks notice. And that's what happened. And that was for how long? One year. One year. Gave it a year. Dang. And then Auto Trader. Yeah, then Auto Trader. Oh, and then that one, instead of going to a recruiter, uh, at the time, Monster.com was the the new and up and coming website for job recruitment, right? Or uh, finding. So I went there, and instead of putting my resume and background on Monster directly, I just went to four employers, I think it was, five or four, I don't know, it's a while ago. Um, and I just sent them an, an, a note directly with my resume. And I just said, you know, seems very interesting. Would you be interested in an interview or whatever, something like that. So I just, I targeted companies. I didn't put myself like just for anyone. Um, and so AutoTrader responded. The woman who was hiring, she ran all of San Diego and she needed a rep for like the East part county part of san diego for all you would do is drive around talk to car dealers and try to sell them advertising online that was the job and so the woman cynthia ferguson calls me for the interview i was at a pier one import shopping like by my uh i must have been with christian i don't know i was there i sat down on one of the couches and we talked for over an hour and it in the pure one like I know it's crazy but we connected so quickly like I it's oh. a, one of few people who it, you know it's like you could talk to them for hours and hours and hours on end and like for whatever reason we just clicked and so um are you still friends with her today yes and shout so, out to Cynthia <laughs> just kidding <laughs> yeah no she's I consider her one of my mentors and someone who changed my life and so then so then I um we agreed to meet in person at a coffee shop uh, the following week or whatever. So we did. And the thing that for me, because in a job interview, it's interesting. You always think about you are the candidates. So therefore, um, you know, you might be nervous. But I was actually like interviewing her, too. It was it's, it was an interesting dynamic. And because she allowed it, she allowed the vulnerability. She allowed me to ask questions. And then she you know, took a break, took a phone call. And the way she talked to her employee, Jim, I remember it like they're talking about uh, a summer conference or something like that. And just like she was so excited about it and the way she was talking to him and, oh, you did such a great job today. Like I was like, I want to work for her. She hurt her. Yes. <laughs> I don't care what I don't even care what we're selling. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I just want to learn from her. I love her. And so um, very cool. So then I oh and then uh, <laughs> then she had me do one last phone interview with the director 
And he tells me years later, he was washing his car while he was talking to me. <laughs> but thank God like, he, he said, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Dean Sloan. See, I remember all these people. Dang. He was great too. So, um, no, so I've just been very, very fortunate to have a lot of great people mentor me. Even with Cutco, like I could, I could name so many great, you know, people, Chris Oaks, Wes Goddard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Never saw it, but uh, PJ, yeah, like so many. So, been very very fortunate with that nice and, yeah oh sorry and then so just for like i guess for people who are interested in interested in you know developing other people so like cynthia another amazing thing was um oh so i picked up a case of water at costco to bring to an, a, a golf event um this is with work and threw out my back for the first time so i'm like 24 years old and it hasn't been right since but that's beyond the point was I was like laid up on my couch for three days and she came to my house like multiple times just to check on me to see how I was doing with her partner and I was like blown away like what kind of boss comes to someone's house to check on them yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just like maybe some people might think that was over not me like I was like wow that was amazing so she would just do little things like that like big things too that are were above and beyond and very funny too wow (laughs) very cool and I feel like if you're in the mindset of like I want I have a goal or mentors show up to your life yes you're like I I want this I want this yeah so I think mentors do show up in that way too it's not just like comes from nowhere not that you're saying that but yeah yeah Hmm, very cool. And then you stayed in Auto Trader for how when how old were you when you got in? Uh probably twenty three or twenty four. And then you left when? So it was August of I'm I remember. August of two thousand and three. Yeah. No no, sorry, August of two thousand and two, and then I left fifteen years later. Fifteen years, yeah. dang! And it was a startup then, right? It was, it was a like... startup, yeah. So the Auto Trader magazine publication had been around for decades, long, long time. Um, but the online version, owned by Cox, was basically formed to um, cannibalize the paper. So Cox was Cox owned the paper, and they owned the online. They knew if they didn't come up with the online someone else would and it would take out the paper so they came up with the online themselves and it took to, out the paper took out them, their, them themselves basically yeah um because they didn't want someone else to do it which would have happened so we're really smart strategic um uh move there so so basically i was selling against the magazine which was interesting we'll say we'll leave it at that oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um and so so the point of that it was okay so five years with auto trader kelly blue book because eventually cox bought kelly kbb um and then within cox it was cox automotive so the sector of cox enterprise that owned did all the car business stuff so then five years there then i moved over to um, manheim which was I'm sorry. No, no, no. I stayed with Auto Trader for eight years. Mannheim for a couple of years, which was the automotive auction, and I reported directly to the president, which was crazy to me because that was like, you know, she's flying in private jets all mm-hmm. over the country. It's like a five billion dollar business. We're looking at the P and L every day on a five billion dollar business. I mean, sorry, it's five. Cox is five billion. 
Mannheim was one billion. One billion dollar oh. business. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm just like, and I don't know if I'm allowed to share all that, but it's, um, anyway, so, so with Cox, uh, or Mannheim, and then the last stint was with, uh, also within Cox, we owned a lending institution that lended money to car dealers next year. So I was with them for a couple of years. So 15 Dang. total. I, I recently Googled you and there is a bunch of pictures of you. I saw Mannheim. Yeah. And yeah, you were, you're on, you're on Google girl. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of different ones, different versions of you. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's Jen too. Doesn't look like the Jen now, but that's Jen too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was pregnant. So that I was like a little, meteor at that time <laughs> um, so yeah it yeah. took me a few years a few a couple of years to take it off but yeah 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 those. whoa dang so you and it, that was and i remember you said you were at one point chasing money and title mm-hmm. what kind of awards and stuff did you get during that time it was, and it wasn't the awards like that was always that was never something i cared about yeah yeah yeah, yeah it was the money was for security. So I saw how my mother struggled um, growing her whole life. And it was hard. It was a hard struggle. She had a hard life. So first off, I never wanted to be her, like, in that way. And so um, it was definitely a protection kind of coming from a fear-based, like, I yes. need to make a lot of money and enough that I don't even have to worry or think about it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the catalyst but then also my dad um and the thai culture like you just you know you want to have an education you want to um like have a good strong career and that whole thing so so i think the money part it was just that drive like i I just wanted to make sure i kept having that and climbing ladder then it turned into sort of materialism where you know i would go out and buy the name brand stuff so i can tell you know I, i don't I don't think I knew this, knew this until later on in life, but like to tell people basically like, I have money now, you know, like, yes, you know, yes, kind yes, of yes. flaunted or, um, you know, driving Mercedes. And so then now like I'm back to, I don't really care about those things again. But okay. but at the time, I think I was doing it for that. I was doing it to keep up with the Joneses. I was doing, you know, and, and not knowing that like a lot of my friendship base was not doing the same kind of thing, weren't there, you know, but what I just figured they were because we're all friends. And, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. we strive to to do. Um, title, I think my ego, you know, just told me like, oh, now I have all this experience. So I never, I don't think, no, I never felt like I deserved a promotion. Like, oh, I, um, like you have to give me the job because I've been doing this for so long. Like I never came from it from that angle. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, if I took care of my team and people and we did well, people took notice. And I never interviewed once within the company for a different job until the very end because I was asked to, oh. which was a whole different kind of thing. But um, but yeah, I like, because a lot of my, my peers and um, folks that worked for me, they're always like trying to get a new role. I want to get a promotion. I want to go from manager to director, director to VP, VP to senior VP, senior VP to president. And like that was, you know, they're always like looking for the next job. And I, and I would always tell them like, hey, it's just focus on what you're doing. Do it really well. And most of the time people will come to you and ask you if you want to take the job. And so, so I think, um, 
once I got into the VP type roles, I was like, whoa, bit up, bit way more off that I could chew. Like it, it was, you know, I started. Too much work? No, no. It was, I'm so young. Like, should I be, should I be the one that they're looking to for these things? Like, I, I just feel like, like uh, I was, you know, my confidence was shaken at times, but then we would produce and we would do well and, um, and do great. And so the team did great. So we were fine, but, uh, you know, but there was a period in my life where I was like, uh, Ooh, I don't know if, if I, maybe I got fast tracked and it, it, before I, it's time, like before I should have, Dang. um, but anyways, so I don't know why I even said that, but yeah. yeah. Wow. So that was quite a freaking journey. <laughs> yeah. So that little sales job interview turned into really a, a career with a pension that I can tap into when I turn 65, um, a really great 401k, you know, and it moved us to the East Coast, moved, you know, moved North Carolina, New Hampshire, Christian ended up going to culinary school up there. Um, so it exposed us to his passion and getting him ready for what we're doing now. Um, so it all kind of worked out really well, but it was, I mean, you know, I'm, that's the positive spin every one's life. It's not perfect. So, you know, there was a lot of hardship in between. And so I don't want to negate that or make it seem like it was just, you know, butterflies and rainbows the whole time because it wasn't. Um, but yeah, like I, I think a lot of people glorify the past anyways, right? Like when you leave a relationship, when you someone passes away, you, you think of, you remember all the good typically, like, oh, that memory of that thing or person is typically good. So, yes. so right now, like as I'm sitting here going, yeah, well, that's, I can probably go and draw some bad, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so what was a um, kind of wrench in your life? Mm-hmm during that time in auto trader mm-hmm. like that whole mm-hmm. you know yeah. right before you retired uh, yeah the yeah so um you know it, there were definitely tough uh definitely tough parts within you know with all the good but um mainly the the two main sort of hardships that i can recall um both relate to work-life balance and I really could never, I don't think, find that balance in the end. So that's why I choose, chose to leave. Um, sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, There's dogs in here. Yeah. And one's very loud, breathes very heavily. <laughs> um, yeah, so one is uh, my husband and I, Christian and I, um, it was really hard because I was working all the time. I was flying all around the country. I'd be gone generally Tuesday through Thursday every week. Um, so in some capacity, sometimes Monday through Thursday and once in a while, Monday through Friday. Um, so it was just hard for us to get the time together that he wanted, that I wanted. Um, so we separated, we moved into two different places for almost a year. Um, so that was really taxing, very hard. Other things around it, surrounding it too. Um, and then the other, you know, sort of breaking point was when my son was born, our son was born. Um, it was just really like a, a challenge between 
feeling the mom guilt or the work guilt. So if I was with him, I wasn't doing well enough at work. When I was with work, I wasn't there for him. I was gone. And, and, and even though he would come with me on occasion to um, my trips and such, it wasn't like I was there with him the entire time. Um, so, and then if I was with him or Christian, I wasn't necessarily thinking about them the whole time. I'm thinking about work, you know, like, oh, this is the next thing I need to do or whatever. So, um, and they picked up on that, obviously. So, you know, so it's just, that was probably the hardest part to try to find um, a balance. And that's why we are doing what we're here doing today. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, um, and then you eventually retired mm-hmm. right after that. Uh-huh. At 40. <laughs> 40. Dang, I'm still trying to, like, wrap my head around that because not a lot of people retire at 40. <laughs> and wait, how old are you now? For, uh, 41. 41. <laughs> no, am I 41 or 42? I'm 42, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I forgot for a second. Yeah. So that was two years ago you retired. Yeah. You were done. Yeah, I was done with that part of my life. And Christian and I always wanted to do something together. And for him, you know, you guys heard, or you've heard of the five love languages before. Yeah. And so um, for him, time is a really important factor. Sharing time? Time. Like that. one of the five or six um, love languages is time. Just having, spending, like, I feel loved. My thing is time. Like I want time with the person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right, time. So, so... And he's always said, like, time, you know, he just wants more time. And I would, I'm of such a literal, I'm like, so how much time? Like, would an hour be okay a day or a week? Like, do you tell me and I'll schedule it in, right? Like that. Oh. And, he, and to him, like, I mean, so so here I am, like, trying to make it work with something tactical. And then he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I just, I want to have time. And I'm like, well, how much time? You know, like, we'd go, this, this is the fight. Like, the one yeah, that... Yeah doesn't end it just goes in the circle right and so finally i mean really it took us a good 15 years to really understand each other and figure it out and let things go and like not hold on to things and love the person that's in front of you versus trying to get them to be someone else and that whole thing so so when i i finally understand what he means now today like it took me that long to understand what he meant by time that it wasn't like a number you know, maybe this week it's one hour, next week it's two, it's 10, I don't know. But he just wants, so now that we're together more physically um, with the restaurant, it's, that's part of time. It's not like connection time necessarily, but we're around each other. Yes, we see each other. feel you there. Yes, yes. So on it, like I, I think it might've taken me till maybe right this moment to un- fully realize and understand yeah, yeah. that actually like right now <laughs> wow 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 um yeah i mean i think i got a sense of it but like until this moment i'm like okay i, I think i get it now yeah I, I, like i get it now like i really yeah, get it yeah so. okay and so it's really it's just being in the same space yeah and then his and is also sharing um the other big one for him is acts of service so he'll you know like <laughs> i'd be gone for tuesday through thursday i'm in atlanta gone don't even make a phone call and I show up, I come home, he's broken his back to completely de-weed the entire yard, clean the entire house or whatever, right? Like all these house chores, clean out the garage. And I'm like, hmm. like, no, like nothing. And to him, like, cause access service aren't, to me, I didn't grow up feeling love from that. Like my, yes. my thing is uh, other things, right? So, so like, 
I really would like, without doing it on purpose, would dismiss all these things that he does. And then now, what are we in? We're in the service business. So all day long, he's doing this. And then I can appreciate it because I'm in it too. And I understand how hard it is. Yes. And it's so crazy. Like, it took this restaurant really to... Well, our this restaurant and the RV trip because we spent a year together in an RV, twenty-two feet, did not kill each other, and I think really sharing time, really sharing time, and that was wonderful, like yeah. great. We really got along well. We trouble. I mean, the, the RV trip was mainly non-stressful, but there were days where you know, like everything broke at six o'clock. Where are we gonna live tonight? <laughs> you know, like those Whoa, kind of things. Yeah, but yeah. like, but but mostly it was not as stressful. And you're with Payton, right? And we're with Payton. And took 10 minutes to get out of the RV every single time. But that's beside the point. <laughs> Wait, like, what do you mean? Just put your shoes on. Oh, <laughs> and how old was he during that year? Four. Four. Dang, what a good year for to be, you know, with your parents that whole time. Yeah, yeah. No, that was... I, I oh, man. He's almost wish it was he was fully five the whole time just because I think he would have remembered more. But he he remembers like a lot of the main parts of the trip still. Um, he refers to them. And then also I ho- hope one day he'll do something similar with his family and, you know, get to be like, oh, I remember this great memory. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. not trying to push it on him, but maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. OK, well, the regulars want a journey. Yes. That's. Mm-hmm. Um, how I, we met how we met yeah yes. so regulars wanted was something you guys had an idea of like 10 years ago mm-hmm. right yeah so um maybe more I, I i don't remember exactly but um as i mentioned multiple times that we um always wanted to do something together uh years and years ago and i can't even remember he'll who came up with the name I'm sure it was Christian um so basically like we're like if we're gonna sell t-shirts or hot dogs or doesn't matter what the product is we want regulars we want people to keep coming back and buying the product right and so we bought the name the url on uh, with GoDaddy and saved it and kept renewing it every single year just in case we got into a business and uh, moving to Julian given that it's um, a turn of the century town. It's set back in the day uh, of 1850. Um, regulars wanted beanery. Beanery is an old timey term that means cheap eats or cafe. Um, so, and then we have coffee beans, we have heirloom regular beans, pot beans. Um, so that all worked because it was, you know, like a wanted poster, regulars wanted, old timey yes. beanery. And it just like, boom, kind of all fell into place. Dang. And for context for the listeners, um, Regulars Wanted is a cafe, restaurant, bakery mm-hmm. up here in Julian, California in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's what that is. Yeah. And, and that's where I met Jennifer because I started working there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Working the front, doing a little social media, and then doing some... That's pretty much it. Yeah, well, baristaing as barista, well. Barista, yeah. Yeah. Our and best salesperson. <laughs> oh lord, <laughs> God. Okay, well, that's coming from um, the best auto trader employee that ever existed. Oh so. uh, no, definitely okay. not. Factor <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Sweet. So, and then that has been um, quite the journey in itself. Just work, living here, yeah. working here. The community here is amazing. Agreed. Oh man, and it's like it's like a, our. And I see what you said with like the how you like to 
um, you're like a team building more than sales. You're really into because our crew is like a little family. Mm-hmm. We see each other fair. We work frequently, but we also get along in that sense as well. A little bit of dysfunction sometimes, <laughs> but we all like play around, like joke around. You know, it, it's it's very very family um, oriented oriented yeah. in that way. Um, like I'm, I still I text employees on my day off. Like my coworkers on my day off. We text you on my days off. We send funny texts. So that is that definitely bled over into the regulars wanted crew. And did you have like a? Is that what you wanted when you came in, or is that just natural for you for that to? Be? Um, I think it was a, a learned behavior over time. Yeah. And it became a natural part of my DNA, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah. As I moved into new roles. Because eventually, like, or not eventually, but um, with AutoTrader, over time, I became the, almost like um, the fixer. Like, there's this team, it's kind of dysfunctional, not working. We'll, just, we'll put her there, <laughs> you know? Or yeah. there's this customer who's really demanding, very, very hard to work with doesn't like anybody yells at everybody we'll give him to you <laughs> you know and so i just i had to learn how to coddle those customers hear them and really listen to them and not think they're crazy cuz in the end they had real feelings about certain things they just wanted to be heard like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and without like you know jumping in and defending and, and making excuses and all that so so i think those were all learned behaviors starting from cutco it was just trickled throughout my entire career and life and by different mentors and that's what you know one thing i want to hit on multiple times is like the value of mentorship you know it, it doesn't have to be an older person it could be a younger person it could be anybody but just to continue to be curious and learn and want to learn and grow you know and so so to answer your question in a very long way is um, I, I don't think I came into it going, I want, I had a vision of the team and how I wanted them to be. I just wanted to see who they were and then grow them as individuals because in the end, if that happens, I think the team just all meshes better. Totally. And I see it too, like when we have like an angry customer or like some employee that's not doing amazing. You like your attention kind of like goes right to that, and then you gracefully approach it. Unless I mean, I'm in from, a bad mood. <laughs> yes, unless you're in a bad mood. But that's I, I mean, but I've never seen that either. But that's what I noticed from my perspective, at least. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, dang. And um, COVID times. Okay. Well, and then I just want oh, yeah, to go back to. So, so with the business, you know, Christian is definitely the the creative, and he's the the you know inspiration behind the food and um, you know the the strategy to slow cook. Meaning, um, you know, you're not you're waiting when you come to us, you're waiting for your food. But the strategy is, we hope it's amazing and it blows knocks your socks off. Like, so it might be a little t- longer of a wait, might be a little more expensive because we use a lot of local and organic ingredients and we have to drive it up here an hour every single week actually two hours round trip so bake um, the bread from scratch right and all i mean you know mm-hmm. and so um and then we're trying to branch off and do you know some wholesaling and supply the airbnbs so so he you know when i go to him and he he can really problem solve those kind of issues and then i kind of run the day-to-day so to speak payroll you know, I'm also a barista also. So, so it works. Like it, it kind of gives us a good sense of all of it. And it's stressful because things break. 
a $10,000 espresso machine was not in the plans and we have to, you know, we already paid for it sort of like through the sale of the business, but they didn't know it was going to break. So, you know, and it did. And so we needed to get a new one. And it's a lot of troubleshooting on a daily basis. And so this weekend actually was our biggest weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right? And Mm -hmm. um, biggest Friday we've had since opening, biggest Monday we've had since opening, almost the biggest Saturday and definitely the biggest Sunday. So, um, and and the, the fact that Christian and I were able to step away for much of that weekend, this weekend, we were so happy, proud, um, you know, just, yes. it was just awesome. Like it felt great. And even Sunday, uh, I did work on Sunday morning, opened, um, and the water heater flooded the bakery bottom bakery area. So, you know, there was some freak out moments even, you know, on, on a Sunday, but we were able to call someone. They were able to come over right away, which is a friend of ours, both Philip and Dale, and they fixed it um, because we are so ingrained now in the community. Yes. So that's been tremendous. Like the fact that so many of our locals have welcomed us and have um, supported us and we've supported them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been a great exchange. And so, the you know, like water heater, flood, someone could be there in five minutes or an hour versus trying to call a plumber. No one can come up that day. Or if they do, it's going to be $500 just to come up or whatever it is. Right. So um, maybe we were lucky, but I don't think so. I think, I think just establishing some core relationships, giving lots of value to um, the community helped, helped in that situation. So, so I, even though that happened and it could have been really bad, um, it turned out okay, and so we had a really um, amazing weekend. So I was really proud of the whole team and and us too for being able to um, establish this and and you know long term because I see the look in your eye that we're where are we going with regulars? No, just kidding. I'm just um, is that I don't know. I don't know. Like yeah. we're just kind of seeing it's first just over a year. Um, we've talked about opening a, opening a second location, another mountain town jokingly said we'd move to Wyoming yesterday, right? Like just as a joke like, <laughs> or Montana or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think in the end, we want to be able to hand it over um, to people like you, right? Like to, or to anyone who's interested that has been with us and has been loyal. And um, when it's f- like, if we've had multiple weekends like this over a two, three year period of time or so, you know, or maybe less, um, then maybe we would hand this one over to someone and then start a new one. I don't know. Like we, we've kind of thrown out all these ideas, mm-hmm. not, not committing to anything. Nice. Because honestly, we, if we tried to plan out our life, it would have never ended up like this. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, the community has been wonderful. And during COVID times, um, yeah, that was a challenge. So March was the start and we definitely took a huge hit. That was hard. That was hard. Um, and just trying to figure out what's happening and what, what is going to happen. And, you know, so, so like, can the employees actually even work, you know, like little from little things to big things like that. And so, um, but we got through March and maybe drew from 
the stubbornness at Cutco of pushing through no matter what and not taking no and not taking it as a defeat, um, we turn, you know, we started to think about how can we make it work during this time. So we can only do takeout orders. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it in a big way. Um, let's start calling on Airbnbs in town and um, the hotels in town and seeing if we can supply them with anything. And uh, Wynola Flats, which is a produce store um, on the side of the road in about 10 minutes away. So they started taking our products, um, selling our bread products. And uh, we did a community uh, box for... Um, during COVID when people really couldn't go to the grocery store. So we would supply for like 40 bucks. We lost money on it. Um, oh, we did. A dozen eggs. Yes. Um, you know, the milk, because our the milk prices at that time shot up significantly. It was crazy. I'm like, what is this, gold? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, and so, so we would sell it basically straight cost, like never uh, get a profit. So, so, you know, a box of potatoes, like raw potatoes, carrots, milk. You, I mean, you know, you were mm-hmm. there and um, ooh, probably like $60 worth of stuff, but um, we would just sell it for 40 for a pack and $60 retail. And people started to um, buy, instead of buying it for themselves, buying it and donating Right. So then they would go, oh, I don't I don't need one personally, but go ahead and buy three and give it. And so we partnered with Julian Pathways, which does a lot for the Julian community. Um, and they would find a family in need on their list and hand it out to them. So. So cool. That was and, and actually that stemmed from an idea of a friend of mine who said that they were doing these boxes um, in San Diego and Los Angeles. And so a couple restaurants, big restaurants, like uh, chain restaurants were doing them for their community. So we thought, well, why couldn't we do it for ours? And, mm-hmm. and we did. Yeah, I would see, I remember restaurant owners in town would come in and they looked so stressed out. And I mean, you guys were stressed, but the resilience mm-hmm. that like, all right, well, this is where we're at, but let's, <laughs> what's the next thing, you yeah. know, rather than like, Oh my, not that they were doing that, but like they would come in, they look super stressed out and like figuring out like, what can we do? What can we do? And we're just like grocery box. Let's, we're only doing takeout. All right. Well, let's, you know, it was, it was very cool to see. Dang. Yeah. And then that's been, and now we're still during COVID times and we're still working on, we're still getting little jabs here and there. We are in, um, you know, profitability wise, um, you know, we're, we're still very young in our, tenure year at the restaurant but uh, we finally turned a profit in august for the first time so that's wonderful (laughs) yes Uh, so we're not we're not just happy and impacting the community but we're actually making money now a little a little bit but yes um, that was when i saw that i was like yes oh my god Mm because you don't want to just be Regulars wanted soup kitchen. Oh, I don't know if that's bad, but, <laughs> but you know, maybe we're not, no, we turn it into that. We're, we're not a nonprofit, but yeah, it would. That's so cool that that's happened. Well, that that is quite, and I'm sure there's so much more of your life. So, what um, do you have for advice? I'm. Mean, you've probably said it a couple of times already, but like, what kind of advice do you have for um, business owners nowadays? Mm. For people that have like not uh, what is it the term for like a uh, not e-commerce business there's a like a retail retail or you know restaurant Mm -hmm. like what is your advice to them to stay open you know Mm -hmm. and keep going through to be fighting through it 
I mean, it's it's hard for me to give them advice because they've, you know, in my mind, they've probably been doing it for way longer. But I think it's um, to not be afraid to try new things, you know. Um, and yes, it can be confusing for their customer base to go this direction today and that direction tomorrow. But um, to have that resilience and to listen to the customer, to be kind to the customer, not, you know, it's it, I understand how hard it is when, you're trying to do all these things and then you get this wrench thrown in, but um, just remember that they have, you know, whatever their perspective is too. Um, so yeah, cause I, you know, cause I can't, I couldn't like say like, this is, I'll give an, for an, a for example. So um, the lady at the chamber of commerce made QR codes for every restaurant and every shop in town. Um, I'm sorry, take that back, for every restaurant in town. And it just blinks to the menu. So I meant to do it, didn't get to it. She did them for us, thankfully. And we got probably the most scans to the point where she had, she asked us like, well, where do you have your QR code reader? And so my point in this is, it doesn't have to be big, it's just trying things and adopting things, it doesn't have to be long-term. It can just be short stints, but basically that, and, and just listening, listening to your staff, listening to your employees, listening to your um, customers, list, you know, just really engaging and, and hearing them for what they're trying to say versus what they're actually saying. Yeah, or their reaction to it. Yeah. We've had some weird customers, but, and angry customers, but listening to what the core of what they're saying rather than reacting to their reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh my Lord. Jen, you've been through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. I'm sure there's like so much more, but we got to keep this podcast yeah. short. Agreed. Do you have anything else you want to add to this conversation? Complete it with. I, so I think, and we talked about it kind of on our break is, um, in essence, you don't have to be a dick or an ass to get far in life. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say no, those words please here. Do. Um, but, but, you know, I think to, to remember where you came from, to stay humble, not to not forget that it was a struggle for you, too, at any given point in your life. And to not forget that and just to try and empathize and, you know, um, be humble and be grateful and say thank you to everybody and yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, and just just be like you don't you don't have no one has to lose for you to win. Like that that's that's I think probably um, the, one of the most important lessons um, I've learned in my life. Like I don't have to look at someone else's um, success because someone's always going to be more successful, have more money, and on the opposite side, be less successful and have less money. Like it, that's that's just how it is yeah and so if i you know chase the joneses well how come i don't have that mansion on the hill or how come i don't have that you know private jet in my hang you know in a hangar or whatever like i can go down that track all day long but in the end like i just have to be grateful for what i have and that's all you can do so that's what i would say sweet well thank you so much jen (laughs)
I'm so grateful that you did this episode and, you know, came in, took time out of your busy day to come do this episode with me. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure people in town, too, would love to hear a little bit about your life as well, because mm. I'm sure some people are curious. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Well, thank you. And, okay. no, I appreciate you um, asking me, and mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, maybe a year from now, we'll do another one and yes. whatever and just grow from that, and I'm sure this one was... Okay, then we'll... It was very good. I see... There's a lot of little nuggets in this. Okay. Okay, sweet. Thank you so much, Jen. And thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)